Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler Podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Jennifer. I'm your co-host, Melody. I'm your co-host, Holly. Today, we'll be discussing some alternative homeschooling styles and why they might be right for you. But first, how's everybody been since last time? Oh, I am really enjoying our summer. Um, it's, I thought I was going to have a lot more downtime, and I've been pretty busy, but I feel like, you know, I'm getting, <laughs> I had this Always. idea I was going to be kicking back in a hammock with a glass of iced tea, but, but no, I've been busy, but I'm getting some things done that I couldn't get done during the other months of the year, so like, yes. I'm good with that. I'm not a fan of having to run a lot of errands, but at least I've been able to group them together and mm-hmm. get some things done, and. We're moving forward on the house a little bit more. We've got my son-in-law's coming on Friday to take care of a plumbing uh, puzzle. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's like, okay, things are getting checked off my list. So that's what I've been up to. How about that always all? feels good. <laughs> yeah, like I am a list maker. And, and I also like I'm not a... I will write it down my list after I do it so I can cross it off so I know I did it. You know? <laughs> oh, I do that <laughs> <You> too. Because <know? laughs> there's that whole visual aspect. Like I can see that it was done. But like true confessions, I do that. But what are y'all doing with this first month of the summer? Oh, my goodness. So yesterday, um, my dog had to get groomed. And I went to see oh. your daughter, who's so excellent at taking care of him. And, um, you know, I don't live in that town. So I said to Liam, all right, we're going to figure out what there is to do while the dog's getting his hair cut. And so um, we found a splash pad in Lockhart. It was a little disappointing. Well, compared to some of the others, but, you know, it was nice to be uh, to be able to get wet and cool off and have something to do. And then we went to the grocery store and we shopped uh, kind of leisurely. I tried to figure out, okay, how, how long do I think I need until the dog's done? And we had just checked out and I put the last bag into the trunk of the car and sat in my driver's seat when I got the text that he was done. Huh, so perfect. I felt like I was amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're like Melody, you know, we are grouping all of our trips together um, yes. because gas is high and I'm not. I'm not angry about it. I understand why. I'm not blaming anybody. And thank goodness I don't live in France where it's like $7 a gallon. But it does take some planning and, and, you know, um, thought beforehand. So anyway, we had a really good day. We've been doing an online camp this week, which has been interesting. Which camp? Um, It's called Life Skills Camp. Um, Mm -hmm. HR Mom is one of the people who's part of it. And Katie Kimball of Kids Eat Real Food. And so every day there's been a little class or two, a little video you can watch. Liam's favorite so far has been how to solve a two by two Rubik's cube. And I, oh, that's oh, fun. Yeah. That's yeah. Fun. And I got him a, a little two by two Rubik's cube. He's been playing with that. And he was going to take a course about how to be a great podcaster and halfway through he got bored. <laughs> so I was like, well, if you want to start a podcast, I think I can help He's you done. out. <laughs> so. And next week will be a, a mega sports camp, which is an evening vacation Bible school where the kids get to do different sports. He chose karate. Fun. So did his friend. Yeah. So what about you, Jen? What have y'all been up to? Well, um, I ignored the high gas prices again. <laughs> my husband and I, it was our anniversary this last weekend, and we went on a really quick, fun road trip to Santa Fe. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And we uh, went to, I don't know if y'all have been there, to the Meow Wolf uh 
place there. I had never heard so of that cool. until I saw it in your Facebook. Oh my gosh. It's so much fun. It's like a inner it's art and it's interactive and you're also solving a mystery. Oh, and that's it's right just, up y'all's alley. It's so I was about fun. to say yeah. perfect for you. We loved it. And I love that like that we have fun together still, you know, that jumping in the car and driving twelve hours and doing something crazy was, you know, was good fun for both of us. Those things and, are great. Uh, yeah. And that we took time to do it, which we, you know, is hard with all these kids. How many <laughs> uh, years have you been married? Twenty eight. Nice. Oh, That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. But other than that, yeah, we've been, you know, taking advantage of the heat by staying in the lake as much as possible. Y'all are so fortunate <laughs> to have that right out your door. Yes, it's so nice. Liam's been Especially grouching now with the drought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Liam's been grumping at me. I haven't been in a pool yet. And I'm like, I'll figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's get into our topic. So this week we're talking about alternative styles for homeschooling. But, you know, let's kind of go over what what are the more traditional types of styles of homeschooling. Uh, what would you say that you've been doing, Holly? Well, um, I think everybody knows I, I do Charlotte Mason style, uh, right. which is based around living books. So some people would just call it mm-hmm. living books, where you use books that are written by people who are passionate about a subject, and they're not textbooky at all. They're more the kind of book you would just pick up and read it because it's a really good book. Right. Yeah. So will you generally, you consider yourself more of a traditional type of homeschooler? Um, well, no, because traditional homeschooling is really workbook based and, and yes, you know, worksheet based. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of testing and drilling. And we don't tend to do those kinds of things. My son does take tests. He has a test every week when he finishes his uh, math book. And he has a little grammar test. And, and we do have exams at the end of each of our school terms, which are 12 weeks. Uh, but a lot of it, his tests are are oral he has to tell me things or recite something um Mm -hmm. so yeah i wouldn't say i wouldn't say that charlotte mason is traditional but it certainly has elements of classical education classical Mm -hmm. right yeah i agree with you on the traditional i think it's more of a do school at home kind of approach generally yeah Um, yeah but a lot of people do that what about you melody what was your generally your style of homeschooling well, we're big unit study homeschoolers because I like to have yes. that cohesive topic that everything else grew out of. But we did use textbooks for math. Um, so that was mm-hmm. our little one really traditional approach. I have friends who use textbooks for everything. So that to me is right. like traditional kind of approach. That's what people are usually comfortable with if they didn't grow yeah. up as a homeschooler. But we we did have a pretty eclectic approach because in our unit studies, we used all the living books and we did the mm-hmm. same thing, you know, history, science, math. You can find great, great books out there. And those were the, those were our spines instead of textbooks. But we kind of did a little bit of everything just because it depended on what the kids needed at the time. So right. I felt like we... That served us well because we were free to jump off and go in some different kind of directions that maybe didn't look like what people thought we were doing as homeschoolers. Mm-hmm. Everybody was learning because mm-hmm. we did a lot of project-based learning or delight-directed learning or mm-hmm. uh, project-based learning. So in some ways, I think we were traditional, but we did it in a really 
untraditional fashion. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you did what worked for you. And what that's worked, yeah. It's like, oh, and also for some reason, I just don't know if it's as time went on, we felt more and more free to do what worked and we didn't feel constrained by you must study this at this age or this grade. I mean, we just really didn't pay attention right. to grade levels. And as long as everyone kept moving forward and kept progressing and learning and building on their learning, I was satisfied that they were learning how to learn and knew how to uh, find information if somehow they needed something and we didn't cover it formally. Yeah. They knew how to go and find things out. And so... Anytime someone is concerned or expressing concerns about leaving a gap, it's just like, you are definitely going to leave gaps, but you get to pick what they are. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Like nobody who who goes through the traditional institutional pathway is gap free. You don't learn everything. Absolutely. You can't learn everything. So you need to learn how to learn. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, so and that, I think that what you, the comfort level level that you're describing as a parent in what you're teaching and how they're learning is something that there's a learning curve to it. So when you're new to homeschooling, if you're brand new to homeschooling and you're you're you know kind of researching, when you for the most part you're going to see the same styles talked about over and over, mm-hmm, and the things mm-hmm. like classical style, traditional homeschooling, or even unschooling is more of a common you know mm-hmm. known more commonly. But there's so many other ways to do it. And there's sometimes those ways just don't work for you, your family. The mainstream, more commonly uh, known ones. Right. Yeah. I've Actually, I've done, I started off traditional. I got dissatisfied with that. I went to unit studies and we, we really liked them, but it left me wanting something else. And then I met Charlotte Mason. Yeah. And sometimes we mm-hmm. kind of unschool. Um, and that's part of developing yeah. your educational philosophy, which we actually have an episode about that. So people are wondering how you get from point A to point Z. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's going through all those things and figuring out right. what works, what doesn't work, how you see your kids learning. Um, but you're right. You know, the mainstream or more well-known ways don't always fit for everybody's situation. Right. And for so many different reasons. Yeah. I had a friend whose son was having trouble in his school, in his public school. I think he was in seventh grade at the time. And both she and her husband had to work. Um, And Mm -hmm. he had an older sister who was thriving in public school. So they didn't need to change anything for her. Um, And after a while, my friend became convinced that she really, really had to homeschool him. Um, He was old enough to stay at home during the day by that time he was responsible and Mm -hmm. she decided that what she would do is give him some independent work to do during the day along with some chores and that she would do the bulk of his education when she came home at night so they really had like a night school and that's not I mean that's a great uh, solution for people who well there's many reasons you'd use that as a solution for homeschooling but when there's two people working in the home full time it's a great solution for getting that schoolwork done because as we know homeschooling does not take eight hours a day um, like you know when you're in public school so uh, you know fitting it in at night as a family is very doable and you can make it work for you yeah and some people might because if, if you come from a traditional public school kind of a thing, 
um, just homeschooling right there. It, you know, it's, it's, it's a jump. It's a yeah. jump <laughs> and it's making your brain work really hard. And you tend to start right. with things that are familiar. Or if you have a friend who is homeschooling yes. and they recommend something, which is how I started. You, My friend recommended yes. a Becca. Um, you know, you, you tend to, to start doing that. And sometimes it's hard to think of anything else that you could do. Um, for example, I, I see sometimes people will ask, is it legal to homeschool your kids uh, when it's not, you know, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m.? Can you do it on the weekends or can you do it at night? Yes, you can, um, especially right. in Texas right. where we're not we're not required to do certain hours. In other states, you know, that are required certain hours or things, there, there are always going to be ways to figure it out. But when you yes. just first start with the homeschooling idea, your brain is being stretched and sometimes it can't stretch far enough. To figure out right. how you can do it without doing a textbook if you really hate that or without doing, mm-hmm. you know, unschooling right. if you and feel think, uncomfortable with that. Uh, I don't think anybody immediately jumps to, hey, I can night school. Right. I mean, I, I think uh-huh. that's pretty far from anybody's mind yeah. when you start out. But I've, you know, night schooling is is an alternative type of homeschooling that many families use. And I know a family that does it just because their teenagers like to sleep all day. So they do school at night and it works for them. Um, It works really well for them. We kind of did that Uh when um, I had teenagers and I worked a job in the morning. I would get up and Mm -hmm. go to work. And while I was at work, I think I I worked from eight to about one o'clock at that time. Um, While I was gone, their job was to get up and eat some food and do a few chores by the time I got home. And then we started lessons. And sometimes, you know, we were doing lessons till seven or eight at night. And at other times when I was working and my kids were doing things like um, one son was interning at a um, Kung Fu studio. He was working on his black belt and he was working for the the, um, Sifu. Well, he was busy during the day. So we had to do his school when he got home. You know, so it's also a nice solution for your teenagers if they want to work. Yes. Or they're busy with right. some kind of project that they're working Extracurricular on. Extracurricular mm-hmm. things, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. When I was tutoring, I, I tutored a, a student in math who was in that same situation. The kids were old enough to be at home during the day, but the parent wanted someone to come and, and do math with them. So I, got, I would be there when the parent would be coming home. from work. Well, because we got to know each other and they knew I was safe. And so um, in the beginning, though, like, the parent would get home and I'd get home about, get there about the same time. And then, do, so that's another option. Like if there's a subject where uh, we just did a week's worth of math in that hour or so. And right. that was a way to, to get that learning done. And they had the option mm-hmm. to work on things during the week, but they're like, now nah, just wait till you get here. <laughs> and so, you know, that was my fun math hour for the week. But um, that's another, like if, like you're saying, like if, if both parents are working, there are still ways to figure it out. You just get to be a little creative. But I love what you said about your teenagers. Like their brains are really not turned on in the morning really early yeah. anyway. Mm-hmm. So just mm-hmm. do it in the evening. And I knew a friend who I just, whole, their whole routine was kind of flipped like that. Their yes. morning was like our evening and then their afternoon mm-hmm. was like our morning. So it worked for them. Yeah. Right. And and it really, you know, I, I have to admit when I first heard my friend's family talk about how their kids were up, you know, doing school at 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. and then <laughs> sleeping all day, yeah, I first what? thought like, oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. 
but it really works well for them. Um, and you know, so that's the, that's the whole point of this is finding unique homeschooling styles or alternatives to the common styles that that just work for your family. Um, and it can solve a lot of different issues you might be having with your homeschooling. Or you know, sometimes if you're you're homeschooling and it's just not working, it's not a good fit for you. Um, instead of immediately you know taking the step back to public school looking into some of these alternatives could really help you out. That's wonderful advice. One of the things I really love about homeschooling is that you can adapt your educational philosophy to your family, what fits for them instead of the other way around. We're going to take a short break to hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll return to discuss even more unique homeschooling styles. It's summertime, and I know I'd rather be swimming in a pool than sitting at a computer. When you need to build a transcript, it can be a laborious, time-consuming process without the right tools, but never fear. Transcript Maker is an online tool that allows you to create your own professional high school transcripts quickly and easily, poolside, lakeside, or wherever you are. It's always a good time to save money, especially when there's summer fun to be had. Transcript Maker offers a 14-day free trial, so you can give it a test drive and see what you think. Happy Homeschooler podcast listeners can save 20% off their subscription by using our exclusive coupon code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps. Don't waste your summer inside. Go to www.transcriptmaker.com today. Transcript Maker. Simply better transcripts. Welcome back to the podcast. When we broke for our sponsor, we were discussing the adaptability of homeschooling. Holly, you had an interesting thought about that. Well, yeah. So um, a couple of days ago, I was meeting with a friend who wanted to talk about doing Ambleside Online Charlotte Mason homeschooling. And, um, you know, we always say that if something's not working for you, you should change it. But on the other side of that coin is it's really important sometimes that if you find something you stick with it for a while so you can see the fruit of it. And, you yeah. know, it's kind of a dichotomy, right? Because we're like, hey, it's adaptable, but hey, you should stick with it. And so, <laughs> you know, when we're doing things that are new, they're often uncomfortable or they feel weird yeah. or strange. That's not the same thing as it's not working. And I think we should talk a little bit about how you can tell the difference of it's not working versus it's new and I have to get used to it. Well, right. Like sometimes this isn't homeschooling exactly, but let's say you uh, rearrange a kitchen or like you move into a new space like we did. And the, at the beginning, because you're learning a new routine, it's uncomfortable, but that doesn't right. mean it's not working. It's just that you haven't gotten used to it yet. And sometimes in our homeschooling days, we might switch up our routine and it felt like it wasn't working until we all got into the routine you settled into to, it right get into the rhythm and and keep on going and so mm -hmm. um sometimes i think that you just need to you might want to set a time i'm going to try this for a month i think and that's if, a great idea if it still feels like i'm pulling teeth every morning then let's go ahead and, and change it up i know when we yeah with some of my kids, like I tried a, a math textbook that was a terrible fit. And after we struggled with it for, well, I guess it was about a month. It was like, this is not going to ever work. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then it gave me time to go ahead and find something else. But it didn't mean I quit homeschooling. It just meant I need to adjust something about the way we're doing. But I also want us to mention, like, if if things, if you've hit a snag and it doesn't feel like things are running smoothly, look at what else is going on in your life. You might be under yes. some other stresses. And you that might just might be need a break. A, maybe so. And so mm-hmm. it's not always homeschooling because sometimes, like, we forget that other families run into a hard place, but they don't pull their kids out of public school. <laughs> True. <right>. You know? <laughs> they don't just assume that's <laughs> that the problem. That would be hilarious. Right? Oh, you know what? <laughs> this is crazy. I got to get the kids out of school right now. so take a step back and that's so true you know but we do like what are some other things that you would use for like checkpoints to see should I pull back for me uh early on we were more traditional with our homeschooling and I remember specifically using Saxon math which (laughs) I do not like (laughs) yeah yeah we 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 don't like it here either but at the beginning at first I thought you know it was very traditional type of math text and that I thought I should use it that that was what you were supposed to do you know Mm -hmm. so it didn't even start off on a good foot for me but we tried it and it was not going well for anybody. And I had multiple grades, you know, different kids doing it and it wasn't working for anyone. So for my family, that's one of the ways I can tell that something's just not a good fit is when as a whole, it's not working. If you have multiple children and it's not working for any of your children or you, then that's probably a sign that it's not a good fit for y'all. Uh, if it, you know, but I would say that one of the things I've done all along during that instance in particular, but also even as unschoolers is uh, I check in with my kids a lot. I ask them what's working for them and what's not working for them. And we discuss why is it working or not working for you? And sometimes they'll think, They'll feel like something's not working for them, and I disagree, and I don't see it the same way. Um, and we talk that through, and we and we have talked about like, well, let's give it a little more time. Let's you know look at other options after. Uh, like I like the idea of of you know giving a time limit. We've done that before. Like say, let's revisit this next month and talk about it again. Uh, so really touching base with your kids, I think, is helpful too. I agree with that, and I think that. Um... So when I changed from traditional to unit studies, I changed from Mm -hmm. traditional to unit studies because I had more students and I was, it was generating a lot of paperwork I couldn't keep up with. And I didn't think it necessarily gave us a better education. And we liked unit studies uh, and I used those for a couple of years. They still weren't meshing with the educational philosophy I had developed. Mm -hmm. So when I found Charlotte Mason, um, I have to say that I've been doing it since I think about 1998. Uh, when I found Ambleside mm-hmm. online. But with this, mm-hmm. my last student, I'm doing it in a m- more in-depth and I'm doing it better than I ever have done. And I think that sticking to it has given me a level of proficiency and allowed me to build my skills as a home educator. And so I've, I've yeah. done it with a lot of different students. And I think that, you know, having your kids input is really good. But I'm also going to throw out an opinion here that kids aren't always qualified to uh, yeah, to see absolutely. the big picture and make a choice <laughs> for their own for their own yes. well being because mm-hmm. uh, if my son had his way he'd be on the computer from the time he got up until the time <laughs> he went to bed mm-hmm. yeah and so you know when we get to a sticky point with what we're doing I look and see okay what might be a way to solve this issue so for example we do a lot of reading aloud 
and uh, we've been reading about earthquakes. And so I have a Janice Van Cleve earthquake book that has experiments. So I'm going to mm-hmm. incorporate some of those experiments for him because he's really a hands-on guy. So I know right. if I do my 20 minutes of reading and then he has an experiment to do, he's more, um, he's more present and more engaged. Yeah. You know, so I'm still mm-hmm. doing Ambleside online. I'm reading the texts and things that we have that are really rich and wonderful. And, and I love them. And he does, too. But I'm also adding in some things that work with his yes. learning style. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that's great. Yeah. So well, and I like what, uh, what Jen said about asking why, like what's not working. Mm-hmm. Try to figure out what it is about what ever is not working. Yeah. What it feels like it's not working. Because then that gives you some insight into what to do next. Right. Or it'll help you walk through the whole scenario and realize, oh, okay, it's working. We're not used to this. I had a friend recently who completely changed what she was doing because once they finally pinpointed it down, what they were using was taking too much time. And her kids are little, five and seven. She's like, okay, I need to streamline this some way. And so then that gave her some information she needed to go find something else. And now everybody's happy. And also they had lost some of the joy. Very important. And so now Mm -hmm. they're having a whole lot more fun with learning and being able to you know, the kids are looking for books about whatever they're studying at the library because they want yeah. to. Good. So asking why and figuring it out um, helps you figure out what to do next. Yeah. Stick with it or yes, it's time to shift gears. You know, with what Melody said, I had one final thought is that oftentimes um, if our life changes, that will necessitate a change in how we're doing our homeschooling. And so, yes. um, you know, it, if it, it ain't, it might not be broke but you still might need to fix it. (laughs) That's so true. So those are some of the ways you'll know if you should switch things up in your homeschooling. Uh, Let's discuss some of the alternative homeschooling styles that might work for our listeners. So in line with what Melody was talking about, about the family that was just simply homeschooling too long for their children, you know, and it wasn't working. One of the unique ways of you can homeschool is called one hour a day homeschooling. Have y'all heard of that before? I actually have not. And that's kind of intriguing. I had not, but I was reading up. You shared a link with me and I just started reading up on it. I was like, oh, that is such a good. They definitely came up with a way to make it work for their family. Yes. So. You know, we've discussed before that when you're at home doing school, it does not take all the hours that it takes in a public school setting. So you're already, you can limit the amount of hours you're doing academic work at home. But the idea with one hour a day schooling is that you truly limit your academic work to one hour. And some families do it by subjects each day. So they'll do math one day, they'll do history one day, and so on, and, you know, change it every day as a different subject. Some families do 15-minute uh, blocks of each subject. And, you know, all those variations in between. And the basics of it are is that the academic work doesn't have to take a lot of time out of their day. Now, the rest of the day is still spent learning, you know, and more of um, more of an unschooling style where the families are, you know, doing activities, going on field trips, cooking together, watching shows together, you know, they're still learning going on. Mm-hmm. But the actual academic sit down lessons happen only for that one hour a day. Uh, this could be super helpful for families that have busy schedules. Oh, yeah. And oh, it's somewhat similar to what we do with uh, the Charlotte Mason method, where we keep lessons short. 
So, um, and that, and that helps your kids to stay more engaged too. They know they only have to pay attention for 15 minutes for math and 15 minutes for whatever. Mm -hmm. I I think that's a great um, option for people who feel like, you know, they want to get out there and do a lot more things, but they still want to cover some academics in a sequential way. Right. I agree. I think that's a nice compromise. You're actually going to keep on doing academic work. It's just that you're using those skills that the academic chores take care of, you know, grammar and stuff. You're going to use those skills on those other pursuits as you're learning about things. And so, like, yes to the kids. Mm-hmm. Like, they think they have this one hour, but really, they are still learning there, all throughout the so day. There's so many things going in. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Uh, for, for me, as an unschooler, it would be kind of like me adding in, you know, an hour a day because <laughs> we're, we're doing the other part, you know. Right. But uh, I think I can see it being very successful for a lot of families. And I know that starting out, uh, people who are newer and doing more traditional routes, um, they do tend to spend a lot more hours every day doing academic work. And that can lead to a lot of unhappiness for the kids and the parents. Holler. And just, you know, they lose interest in the in the learning that way. Yeah, just drilling and filling out worksheets. It's very soul-sucking. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Although there are some kids who love it. There's some kids who just love nothing That's better true. than filling a workbook. Fill uh, out the work uh-huh. pages. Yeah. This is true. <laughs> Not, there wasn't any of my children, but they're they are out there. None of mine either. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, another form of schooling, uh, of alternative schooling that we've talked about a little bit before is road schooling. And this one is particularly interesting to me because I love to travel. I'm pretty like sure you guys have heard of this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, there are people who do, you know, full-time road schooling. So they're always traveling. Uh, their whole family is on the road together. And they've found ways, you know, to make it work, obviously, financially and with their jobs and things. And then they are fitting school in as well. And they actually, many of the families do traditional school. Many of them are unschoolers. There's all different ways that people do it. But the basics of it are you take your school with you. And as you're traveling, you learn from the things around you, which I love that idea. Well, yeah, I went to Philadelphia a few years ago for work. I spent uh, three or four days there. And I I have read extensively about, you know, the Constitution being written and all of the American Revolution things, but nothing compared to standing in Constitution Hall, where George Washington, where Ben Franklin, where Thomas Jefferson, and just that, that sense that you get, that you can't get from a book, or nothing compared to seeing the Grand Canyon in person. So yeah, getting out there and experiencing things, it makes the learning come home to your brain in ways that Mm -hmm. reading about it or even watching a video about it isn't going to do. Yeah. And I love that in that, in road schooling, your whole family's learning together. Mm -hmm. It's an experience you're sharing and you're all learning at the same time. And I think it's really special. Um, Obviously, it's not going to work for everyone. Sure. (laughs) But but if you're a family that likes to travel, it's an option. You don't have to be stuck at home. You don't have to, you know, have have one place you do your school. Right. And world schooling is similar, but you're leaving the country, which is even more amazing. Very exciting. (laughs) Yeah. I remember reading about a family. I think they were Australian and they bought like a little van 
or something, probably not that little, but anyway, their, their family <laughs> was planning to travel the world and they took their van across continents. Like they ended up in South America. It took them three years. Yeah. And they did this like, great big travel. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that would be amazing. I, I follow several groups on Facebook that are world schoolers and it's so fun watching their adventures. You're going to be joining them at some point. I have this feeling. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to. We haven't figured out the work aspect of that. Yeah, like for me, I could probably do it because I'm a virtual assistant. And so I can do I can do a lot of things from wherever I have a computer and internet connection. But you're right. It is a little it's a little tricky. And then, um, you know, there might be some legal issues. Um, Yeah. So I, I don't know about all that, but those groups would tell you. They, people have yeah, had those I groups so will too. tell you. I know that if you're road schooling within the United States, that your home state is still what you're legally bound you follow to follow, or mm-hmm. still yes, yes. So whatever your home state is, but I'm not sure how that works for road schooling. And there are countries where homeschooling is is outright illegal. So uh, that would definitely be something to look into and check in with some of those groups. On. I guess it depends on how long you're staying there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> some of the other uh, there's some of the unique ways that I've seen le- lately uh, alternative homeschoolings have to do with uh, streaming online material. There's groups for homeschooling with Netflix and homeschooling with YouTube and homeschooling with Amazon Prime and, uh, you know, all of them. And certainly you, I think most homeschoolers use those resources in some way already. But there are groups of homeschoolers who are using that as their primary basis for homeschooling. I can see Um, how you could do that because... Mm-hmm. You know, you've got, I, I do a lot of my fitness activities on Amazon. I, I have yoga right. that I do. And my son was doing some fitness activities on YouTube with Joe, the body coach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think just about anything you want to learn, somebody's made a video or a movie about it. Yes. So I, I could see how that would work. Right. You can YouTube all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And then there are right. also like, you mentioned Saxon earlier, Nicole, the math lady. On YouTube, it's really right. good explaining Saxon for people, moms, uh-huh. whoever doesn't want to have to explain it. So I can see that just about anything. I look at YouTube and find out how yeah. to do things I want to do. So that, I just hadn't yeah, thought about I, Netflix. I, I, I think people probably picture it as you sit your child in front of a TV all day. But I don't think, I, you know, this isn't something that I'm personally doing. So, But I, from what I've seen and read, it's not... That's not how it works. So you use that as your jumping point. Mm-hmm. You know, you watch people do right. projects on YouTube and then you go do the project, you know. Right. Or if you're studying history, there are some great movies to watch. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah. channel there's on YouTube that I watched mm-hmm. where um, this woman, and I, I found it fascinating. I got to it because we were studying um, Jan van Eyck and one of his paintings, this woman was wearing this beautiful gown. And some woman who's into sewing historical costumes recreated the costume. And I was like, wow, it's so fascinating. I never want to do it. But, but, (laughs) you know, uh, (laughs) or learning how to watch you do it. right? Yeah. Or learning how (laughs) the clothing was put together. You know, a lot of the clothing was put together with pins in the revolutionary times. Oh, I know. Can you imagine trying to? It's incredible. No. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And so. I get poked all the time. Yeah. So you you can, 
and the layers were different. Oh, yes. Yes. I watched a video about a woman who she put on a garment. I think it was like an 1800s type of a dress. And then she showed how it doesn't look right unless you put on all the other things under it, like the corset and the panniers or whatever, and how that made the certain silhouette. And I was like, wow, that's fascinating. Now, my son didn't really feel the same way, but but you can learn so much about what went into history and, and watching these different videos. And they're they're Charlotte Masony to me in in some respect because these are made by people who are passionate and interested yes. about experts, the topic experts right. yeah mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. they they give you all this information that you can't get in like an encyclopedia blurb or a, a quick textbook yes. blurb fascinating yeah it's almost like you're going and talking to the people mm-hmm. and it, that's a great way for kids to learn it's a great way for us to learn mm-hmm. yeah so you're, if you're looking for some streaming services that are just, edu- you know, focused on education, there's several of them out there. Uh, some of the good ones out there are Curiosity Stream, Magellan TV, and Wondrium. And those are places where you can find, you know, edu- truly educational topics, documentaries, science, arts, all of that stuff all in one place. So you don't have to just stick to the mainstream ones. There's a whole bunch of different places out there you can find stuff to learn from. That's awesome. So there's a few more alternative ideas that we can talk about today. Uh, One of them is Montessori homeschooling. Montessori schooling is a pretty well-known concept, uh, but I don't think that people always consider it as a way to homeschool. True. And Montessori um, is kind of expensive. So if you want a Montessori (laughs) type of an education for your child, you don't necessarily have to shell out, you know, a big outlay and send them to a school, you can do it at home. And there are Facebook Mm -hmm. groups and, and all kinds of places that support that for the homeschooling family. Yeah, I like Montessori uh, in that it gives a lot of responsibility to kids, um, gives them ownership, you know, yeah, I think it's a great way to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot of resources for you to do homeschooling. You can find curricula, Montessori curriculums um, and also just, you know, guides on how to set up your learning environment to be a Montessori learning environment, things like that. Um, it can be really beneficial for all ages. I think people tend to think of it as a younger students kind of thing. But there are Montessori ideas for older students as well. Yeah. And, you know, a similar not in the educational philosophy, but another type of uh, philosophy that people send their kids to, uh, to schools for, and it's real expensive, is Waldorf. And a lot of people yes. are doing Waldorf homeschooling, and it goes all the way through. At home. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it goes all the way through um, high school. Different objectives yes. and different philosophies, but all um, they're both accessible for homeschoolers. Another thing we've talked about before is play-based learning. Um And, you know, we've talked about it in terms of, you know, preschool and younger children, but play-based homeschooling, play-based learning and homeschooling, it can be used all the way through high school. And there are some families that that's their primary way that they learn. Um, And basically it's, you know, it's not just game schooling, it's not just playing games, but it's just playing in general, you know, building things, uh, exploring ideas and creating things and working with a team to create things and that can take you all the way through high school that one's stretching my brain a little bit i'm i'm gonna have to really research (laughs) some of how that works 
there's a there's a lot of uh, literature out there about how to include play and it's you know it's generally based on uh talking about including it in the school system but for older students and even for adults you know talking about how to include play in your everyday life um so yeah you definitely check some of those out and you can learn how to add it into your own homeschooling more and more yeah i was trying to think about um what experiences I might have had. Like when I was in high school, I was part of Junior Achievement. And we mm-hmm. um, we had to work together to build, uh, to come up with something, some a product. Yes. And then we had to develop it. Yes. And then we had to market it. And it was super fun. It didn't seem like education yes. at all. But I, I mean, here I am right. all these years later remembering it. So I, I can understand how that would be a really uh, great way to, to learn and really um, engaging. Yeah, and it can be uh, adult-led. It's not It's not really like unschooling. It, it can be, you know, you're still given, you know, what you're, you're working on. You're still told what to work on or when to do it, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but, but it involves things like what you're saying, where you, you get creative and problem-solving and a lot of uh, hands-on problem-solving. But it would also include things like uh, game, you know, playing games, mm-hmm. outdoor games, board games, and all of that, too. Sign me but up. There's also an aspect of that when, like, if you have a family, let's say you're putting on a big party or a family reunion or something like that, and that's the project that the whole family is yes. engaged mm-hmm. in, it can be, there is that element of playfulness there. We're like, this is something yes. we're going to do. Let's figure out how to make it work, and we're all coming together. And I just don't think that we think about it as a a school topic or like educational, but it totally is because you're learning skills that will take you into adulthood. Yeah. One more that I wanted to mention real quick is a a, kind of a new idea that's going around for school systems called object-based learning. Um, And it's where you, you really, you, you pick up an object for the day and you learn from that and it can take you in every direction. And it's, based on you know curiosity observation questioning and then you follow the lead and it can take you in all learning areas and I I've seen people do you know unit studies completely on that there's all kinds of books about like the history of the world in a hundred objects but you can take that further and do it for math and science and all of that very cool we had a little taste of that today in our lesson we're because we had vacation Bible school a couple weeks ago, we hadn't completely finished our studies for the year. Um, and so I was reading to my son about uh, Mother of Pearl and Pearls. We've been studying um, mm-hmm. shells and the ocean. And in the course of reading this uh, story, we learned where these shells come from that Mother of Pearl is yeah. obtained. And it's in uh, Arabia. And at the time, um, when the book was written, we were using... Uh, there was no scuba diving equipment and how the people had mm-hmm. to go down and they, some of them perished. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, it was like, we're just, see, I love that. It leads you to all these new places and then you need to find out how they did it. And then, yeah. then you can learn about scuba diving. Yep. And then, you know. Yeah. My son said, <laughs> I don't want to scuba dive. I'm like, well, you know, they have things now. And he's like, I don't want to be under the water and out in the water like that. <laughs> but yeah, we, and then he, uh, we were watching a video of um, pearl harvesting and it was um, some people in China. And then he asked me, mm-hmm. you know, why is it that um, people look different than each other? And that led us down a whole yes. nother conversation. See? And I was like, 
I love that so yeah. much. It's a great uh, way to yeah. learn. It was fantastic. Yeah. Questions. Good questions. So you can do that. And object-based learning takes that idea and it can be done deliberately. Like you can curate the objects mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. or they can be found objects and, uh, you know, just pick an object every day and just see where it leads you. That's very cool. I love that idea. Yeah, super fun. Um, so I think we've talked about some great alternative homeschooling methods. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the nice things about what we're talking about today is that even if you don't choose to just stick to one of these methods, we can all take little bits and pieces of it and add it to a, what we do in our own homes um, and try something new. Exactly. Today at the end of our podcast, we're opening our mailbag and responding to an email from one of our listeners. Holly, what's in the mailbag today? Well, uh, Alyssa W. wrote in, I recently found your podcast and I've really learned a lot from it. I'm a homeschooling mom of five from preschool to high school. One of my favorite episodes was 74, Handling Family Resistance to Homeschooling. Great story about showing your resistant family members all the curriculum you were using to prove, so to speak, that the kids were indeed getting taught. Also, good point about teaching your kids what grade to tell someone they're in. I hadn't thought about it from the kid perspective of needing to defend themselves when you're not around. Love the Bright Horizon School Not in Session today story. If your child has personality quirks, school isn't going to change that. So true. Oh, thank you, Alyssa, for writing in. We always love to hear that things that we've shared have been helpful to our listeners. I love that she talks about the part about the kids having personality quirks because uh, I see that she's got uh, five kids and we all have a lot of kids in our families too. And they each are very, very different. So (laughs) I think that was important when we were talking about, uh, you know, family resistance and knowing what's right for each of those kids. Oh yeah, certainly. And, um, you know, I, I'm a mom of six. You're a mom of eight. Melody's a mom of seven. Um, we have been in... <laughs> that's a lot of yeah, kids. Yeah, that's a lot of kids. We, we've been <laughs> in the ringer. And, you know, I... It is a lot. Um, and so one of the things that happens when you have that many kids is, you know, you come upon a lot of issues that maybe if you just have one kid, mm-hmm. you can fly by. But I would recommend also that Alyssa takes time to listen to our episode 67 on homeschool organization. And also, yes. and another one that would be really good because when you have a bunch of kids is uh, you might feel a little burned out. So episode 69 sure. on homeschooling, handling homeschooling burnout would be good too. So um, Alyssa mentioned uh, something I had said on that episode was uh, if your child has personality quirks, school isn't going to change that. And, you know, that ties in so well with what we've been talking about today, which is adapting your homeschooling and finding alternative ways to get it done um, if you have kids with personality quirks or other issues you're facing. Absolutely. So Thank you, Alyssa, for listening, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today. If you would like us to respond to you in an episode, you can email us at happyhomeschoolpod at gmail.com. Check out our Instagram at instagram.com slash happyhomeschoolpod. And follow our page and join our group at facebook.com slash happyhomeschoolpod. I'm Jennifer. I'm Melody. I'm Holly. Happy homeschooling. Hi, this is your host, Jennifer Jones. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-hosts are Holly williams Urbach and Melody Gillum. This podcast was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway and our music is by The Great Pangolin. 
You can find more of her work on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, as always, tell people about us. Oh, hold on. My my microphone is just falling over because I... Okay, hang on. All right. All right, I'm good.